What is the path for the Baltimore Ravens to get back and win a Super Bowl? We talk about that. The latest on the Ravens offensive coordinator search, including Eric Bieniemy, Brian Johnson, and Cliff Kingsbury. We talk Calais Campbell. We talk Baker Mayfield and a lot more coming up next year on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher, Ravens Wire. We are here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us today, making us your first listen. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started and we're back here at his taco tuesday with our taco tuesday guest spencer schultz of baltimore beatdown and spencer we're officially officially in the off season it is draft season free agency season is the chiefs are super bowl champions again Patrick mahomes wins his second super bowl 38 35 over the eagles it was, i think a really good game a really good halftime show and we're going to be talking at least in this first segment about how the ravens what their path is to get back to and win a super bowl what do you think of the actual game Thought it was awesome. Thought it was a, a masterclass in Kansas City creating a simple environment for success for their offense and being able to make just enough plays defensively while the Eagles did have a ton of success, but uh, were able to kind of put the, the brakes on a runaway train, so to speak, contain the Eagles run game to a degree and force the Eagles to have to really just utilize Jalen Hurts. Their backs didn't get much going. So thought it was an interesting game. Thought it was a really fun one. It was certainly a high scoring affair and came down to the very end there. So can't really ask for too much more from a fan perspective. And it was a, a game where you just see the ability of a smart team that's able to navigate through in-game decision and prepare accordingly and feel uh, the continuity offensively where they had enough possibilities and ability to make adjustments within reason where they have things called corn dog that they can go run on a quick two-word play. Like that's not something that's hard for a rookie or hard for a new player to come in. And be like, oh, yep, we're running corn dog down at the goal line. So I think that's a, a masterclass in the simplicity of what the Chiefs have created, why they're able to trade away someone like Tyreek Hill. They invest in their offensive line, uh, or spend on their offensive line, I should say, and make sure that Mahomes has some consistency there. And then they're able to just go put up some points. I think that uh, the other interesting part, in my opinion, I thought that Nick Bolton should have had two touchdowns. I thought that that was a Miles Sanders fumble. I think he had the ball for a a beat and because Miles Sanders quote unquote doesn't make a football move um, was, was I guess the deciding factor there, but he had the ball for so long. It felt like, you know, there was that, that full beat of control of the football and things like that. So I'm um, glad that, you know, uh, I guess some people are upset about the call at the end of the game. I think that there was a, some disingenuous camera angles that were being shared for quite some time. And then some other ones come out and James Bradbury's words and all those things. But uh, the chiefs got the ball with, you know, five and a half minutes left, I believe, in that game and really ran that thing out and made sure that the Eagles weren't going to have timeouts and have a bunch of comfortability there. Uh, and then, you know, James Bradbury goes and commits that foul and it's uh, deciding a, a win for the Chiefs that were able to stay cool, calm and collected. They play in those close games. They've been playing in a lot of close games in the playoffs. They don't really blow the doors off of anyone in the playoffs the last couple of years here. Uh, maybe I'm missing someone, but they can just navigate those situations and 
It showed the ability for them to win from behind and then stay ahead once they got a lead. So they were able to work in a negative game script and a positive script, which just shows the balance that they have. And, um, you know, again, I think Steve Spagnuolo didn't really shut the Eagles down, but did enough and keeps them in games in that same manner. And they're just cool at this point. They're calm. They know how to operate. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, now two for three in Super Bowls, 27 years old, got has the, the world at his fingertips. Yeah, and, and this was a game 24-14 at halftime in favor of the Eagles. You know, Mahomes gets injured or re-injured. You know, he's limping and grimacing, and you're thinking, is he even going to be out there for the second half? But he he was a warrior. He was an absolute warrior in that game. But when you're talking about the Super Bowl, Spencer, this is obviously a game that every team wants to get to, the Ravens included. Now, Baltimore hasn't been back to an AFC Championship game since they won the Super Bowl back in 2012-2013. Obviously, the playoff success hasn't been where – a lot of people want it where obviously the organization hasn't wanted it there. there. There hasn't been enough of it over these last many years here. And so when you're looking at how the Chiefs and how the Eagles have built their rosters, when you look at what the Ravens have right now, what they need right now, what is your path for them? What do you think the Ravens can do and what's your ideal path for them to get back to and win the Super Bowl here? Well, I think they need to, in that same sense, simplify their offense. I think that it needs to be more having answers to problems than it is uh, always trying to be the aggressor and force defenses to mold to them a little bit. I think they need to be able to be more balanced in the sense of uh, being able to exploit three by ones or exploit two by twos or whatever it may be. And just being more multiple in those senses. I think they need to use the width of the field more effectively and much like the chiefs, if the Ravens are going to pay Lamar Jackson, they need to have a system and a, and a philosophy and the worlds that they live in of play calls and things of that nature where uh, things make sense and players have options and can play fast. That way you can maximize the value out of free agents or out of rookies because when you pay a quarterback, you feel a little bit more limited in other spending. So when that happens, if that happens, the Ravens need to make sure that they're able to implement a scheme that is friendly for rookies as opposed to the situations we've seen where you have comments from Hollywood Brown in the offseason saying, you know, oh, it's on us to show a Greg Roman that we can run the plays in practice that need to be run in the game. And then you see some of the examples where, you know, teams like the Chiefs will say, oh, yeah, we've run this play twice before ever and then go bust it out in a Super Bowl. So uh, I think that the scheme needs to be simplified in that way in, in many regards and to be able to be multiple in terms of using boots and play action and things that are a little bit more defined to take some of the pressure off of Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think they need to retain as much of the run game as they can and move to, to being a little bit more athletic up front. And then defensively, I think the Ravens have done that. I mean, once they traded for Roquan Smith, you could really see the vision of their defense. It was playing a nickel kind of base, a jumbo nickel kind of base with a Kyle Hamilton, or, you know, it doesn't have to be Kyle Hamilton, but a very capable box slot type defender and then really just being able to bring pressure from either side of the line of scrimmage or either strength or weakness of the formation, have guys like Queen and Smith and Hamilton, as well as the outside linebackers, be able to simply create confusion just by being multiple there. If one of those guys comes, then the other side, they're dropping out. And if the quarterback doesn't see that coming, they secure it well or able to bluff on the other side and make a quarterback think one thing's coming, then it causes a quarterback to have to go through their progression, go through their reads, hold the football, which allows, you know, more possibilities of getting a sack and uh, more better decision-making from the quarterbacks they play. And I think we saw that plan against the Bengals executed to perfection three times this season. And the Bengals right now are kind of the epitome of 
what teams want offensive football to be, the spread, 11 personnel, all that kind of stuff. And now we're seeing football and its cyclical nature turn back the clock a little bit. I think we're going to see value on running backs and tight ends and offensive linemen continue to go up a little bit. Teams are going to try and figure out ways to get creative at wide receiver. And because of the system that they have in place and the ability to have a guy like Anthony Weaver that seems like he's going to be retained, that has such a sound defense, I mean, they're in good shape defensively. And then the kind of final thing is just to have some normal health, to have the guys that handle the football not be recovering from injury or injured or coming off of the injured reserve. If they can just have a couple of their key guys who touch the football, including Lamar Jackson, play 15, 16, 17 games and not suffer IR-type injuries, then they probably are in a way better spot and have the ability to go on a Super Bowl run or you know get into that conference championship game or whatever it may be. So I think a clean bill of health is, is something that people who follow the Ravens or Ravens fans are sick of hearing of. But at the end of the day, when your running backs and your receivers, most of the people who touch the football are constantly in the trainer's room or trying to come out of it, it messes things up a little bit. And, um, you know, we see the Chiefs kind of have Travis Kelsey consistently. The Ravens have that and Mark Andrews to a degree. And uh, they were able to, to make their system a little bit more friendly to newcomers. And I think that's the, the most important factor for creating a sustained winner in the next chapter of Ravens football, especially if the Ravens do sign Lamar Jackson or, or continue to roll with him. Right. And I know a lot of the big offseason questions here, it is where's Lamar Jackson going to be in 2023. And it is also the next offensive coordinator. Who was that going to be for the Ravens? So coming up in our second segment, we'll be talking about Eric Bietemi, Brian Johnson, Cliff Kingsbury, and some of these other candidates for the position. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a lot to dive into on lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode of Locked On Ravens is sponsored by BetterHelp. And when you're at your best, you can do great things. But sometimes life can get you really bogged down and you may feel overwhelmed or like you're not really showing up in the way that you want to. But working with a therapist can help you get closer to that best version of you. Because when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws on you, no matter how big or small it is. And there are so many people who have benefited from therapy and have had many positive experiences. And there are plenty of benefits to going to therapy, such as learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. It can empower you to become the best version of yourself. And it isn't even just for those who have experienced major trauma. There are so many different kinds of therapy that have helped so many different people. And if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and then switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. We are back. Our second segment of Locked On Ravens on Tuesday. Kevin Allstriker still here with Spencer Schultz of Baltimore Beatdown. And Spencer, it's been a somewhat long process. I mean, some teams already have their offensive coordinators, the Ravens. It seemed like they were waiting for after the Super Bowl because we got a report from Jeremy Fowler on Sunday, on Super Bowl Sunday, that the Ravens are expected to speak to both offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, Eric Bietemi, and Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson about their position. We also got Justina Anderson talking a bit about Cliff Kingsbury, although that doesn't necessarily seem like a fit at the moment, according to what she put out there. For those three, Bietemi, Johnson, Kingsbury, what's kind of your realistic factor? How realistic is it that any of those three guys could be the next offensive coordinator in Baltimore? Well, I don't think uh, the – Likelihood for Brian Johnson is looking very good right now, especially with Shane Steichen reportedly in Indianapolis, ready to finalize his contract there and become the next head coach of the Colts. I would think that 
He will either bring both of or one of Kevin Petulo, the pass game coordinator, and uh, Brian Johnson, the quarterback's coach, to Indy. And if one of them remains, they will probably just become the Eagles' next offensive coordinator. So I would imagine that uh, anyone on the Eagles staff, you know, I'm sure conversations could be had. I'm sure, you know, uh, those coaches might not be in the business of declining, you know, five-star dinners and having a conversation and expanding their horizons. And I think in part, that's why the Ravens want to talk to the guys like those or Cliff Kingsbury, because they just want to make sure they're making those connections. They're getting referred the best coaches. They hear names that they haven't heard before. Uh, you know, they share their vision, their philosophy with these guys talk football in that sense. And then, Hey, maybe Brian Johnson knows somebody, maybe Cliff Kingsbury knows somebody that would be good on the Ravens staff or that should be considered to be the next quarterback coach or pass game coordinator or run game coordinator. So I think it's just kind of uncovering those conversations to a degree with the enemy. I don't know. I do not know what the story is with him for someone that has been the offensive coordinator on the best offense, arguably in NFL history over the last five years and play in three Super Bowls, win two of them uh, continuously, you know, breaking records over time in that offense, how he doesn't get a, it's fishy. I mean, maybe it is because of a little bit of racial bias and, and racism to a degree, which we've seen in the coaching world so much uh, that it's harder for coaches of color to make their way through. But I feel like that has not been quite as prolific as it has in the past. And there's just something more than meets the eye as to why Eric Bieniemy isn't getting a head coaching opportunity year after year. I'm not sure. It sounds like with the Chiefs, they kind of are maybe looking to, to green light him moving on uh, from the words of Andy Reid, and they want him to go run his own show somewhere, whether that's an offense or a team. But it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Things don't add up, and uh, it, it feels like there's more than meets the eye. So maybe it is with the Ravens. I know we did have Ed Reed tweet out and say that Biennemi would never happen in Baltimore. Uh, I don't know why he said that, but that continues to add to the kind of mystery of why doesn't Eric Bieniemy get opportunities. So I know that the Washington commanders, and the Baltimore Ravens are scheduled to try and speak with him. I know that Bieniemy was holding out hope for the Colts job, which he is not going to get after again, continuing to put forward outstanding performances and be a part of that groundbreaking record-breaking offense. And then you see Shane Steichen, who is on a team that has multiple all pro hall of fame, you know, outstanding talents, good quarterback play, a top five, Offensive line of the last decade, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, you know, good backs, all those things. And we'll go get an opportunity when Sirianni is the guy who's it's, it's similar to like Andy Reid. Sirianni is the guy that kind of runs the show and Steichen calls the plays and is the coordinator and shares the input and the philosophy of, you know, the, the companionship and uh, collaboration with Sirianni. But it just doesn't quite make sense. So something is odd there uh, at this point. The Ravens have had ex an extensive search that probably spans a lot more coaches than we even realize. I remember back when they ended up hiring Gary Kubiak, or allegedly they talked to 30 different coaches. And it feels like at this point, there's been probably about 15 to 17 that have been reported. There's probably another 5, 10, 15 that have not. So uh, Dave Canales, Ted, Todd Moncton, uh, Justin Otten out of Denver, and a few others that have had those you know second conversations with. Uh, Bobby Ingram as well. I think some of those could be, you know, I think there's elements to those in some cases where a coach might be doing another coach a favor by having a second interview or might be, you know, looking for something more than meets the eye. So uh, some of those, you know, generate reactions or responses that I think are, are maybe not quite uh, what is at surface level and what we're really seeing, but 
uh, Bianami, to me, at this point, him, Todd Munkin are probably the two odds-on favorites. In my mind, I think Justin Otten had a really good re- referral from Jerry Rossberg, who was with Harbaugh for the entirety of his tenure up until this past year. So I think he could be a little bit of a, a dark horse there, but uh, I think they would want to opt with someone who has a little bit more experience play calling, and Munkin and Bianami fit the bill. So I would think those are kind of the two guys that the Ravens will look to in the end. Yeah, and it's super interesting, you know, when you're just talking about the Chiefs and the Eagles in general with Bienemy and Johnson and the offenses that they both have been a part of, where the Eagles, I saw the graphic where their entire offense, I believe it was, was homegrown outside of the A.J. Brown deal for starters. And then for the Chiefs, you had a couple of more guys from the outside, like Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney and Juju Smith-Schuster and, and Marquez Valdez-Gantling. So I think for what the Ravens can do, and kind of you look at their offense right now, Lamar Jackson, a homegrown guy, and you know obviously you have to figure out what, what what's happening with him in 2023, but then it's J.K. Dobbins homegrown, Gus Edwards homegrown, Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman. So they have a lot of homegrown guys with a Kevin Zeitler in there who was signed, a Morgan Moses in there who was signed. With the offensive blueprints and the kind of stuff we talked about on yesterday's show, Spencer, at least I got into, is there a preference for how you feel like the Ravens can be most successful in their offensive roster building? Are you fine with them going mostly homegrown guys, or do they need to have just a little bit of that outside talent like the Chiefs have gotten, or even like what the Eagles did in trading for an A.J. Brown? Well, I think that the Ravens are going to have to. I don't think it's really a, a situation of preference. I think they're going to have to bring in value-free agents and draft picks over the next two, three years. And again, if that is the route that they take, paying Lamar Jackson – million fully guaranteed or whatever it may be, or franchise tagging him the next two years and then committing a ton of money to him, then you have to have a system that allows you to bring in outside players and get them up to speed quickly and adapt more quickly to your opponent as opposed to, again, trying to be the aggressor. So they're going to have to do that. I think they don't really have an option. And the only way that they don't is if they get rid of Lamar Jackson, but at the same time, you're then bringing in a new system and a new quarterback and there's not going to be continuity anyway. So really any kind of way you crumble the cookie, the Ravens are going to have to figure out a way to streamline bringing in a new system and bringing in new players. So they will continue to have Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman. Uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins has one more year left on his contract. Then um, other than that, there's not really you know a, a ton. There's Tyler Linderbaum and a couple others, but – it's going to be a new offense in the next two, three years, three years from now, there will probably only be two, three, maybe four players that are Ravens currently. So it's going to be a lot of change and they have to prepare themselves for it accordingly. And again, make sure that the way they are teaching, the way they are integrating their players, their offense, getting it on the field and producing it in games is easier to learn than it has been. And that they can trust players to execute roles or assignments on offense much more quickly it has been a little bit of a debilitating factor, partly because they did have so much injury, but they've got to figure out both of those things. They've got to figure out a way to be healthier. They have to figure out a way to get guys up to speed faster and make the most out of the value that they get. Yeah, and do, do you have a preference in terms of maybe that wide receiver spot, like comparing what the Chiefs and the Eagles did? Obviously, the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill. How they replaced him was signing – arguably two number two guys, and that does depend on how you value Juju in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Or would you go that trade route, A.J. Brown, pure number one, so potentially a DeAndre Hopkins? I know the free agent market for wide receivers isn't 
particularly spectacular this offseason as you know Jacoby Myers and Alan Lazard and DJ Chark and Juju and some of those guys but if you were the Raven Spencer would you want to bring in that pure number one that one player that you know can take you over the top you can place next to Rashad Bateman or would it be those potentially two number two guys to help out Lamar Jackson and add even more depth to the position well the way I look at it they really only have Rashad Bateman on the roster that's someone that you can put on the line of scrimmage and isolate and ask to go win in man situations consistently. Um, so I think you need someone else that has that skill set. I think that the Ravens have also played a speed game at the receiver position for too long. I don't think that quite suits Lamar Jackson's uh, comfortability, whether they realize it or he realizes it or not. To me, it feels like he's a lot more confident and comfortable throwing to bigger targets. I'd like to see them get more on-ball receivers that can win with physicality. Um, I don't really care how you do that. I think there's a, a million ways to skin that cat. If it's the draft, if it's free agency, if it's a trade, if it's a late addition, a veteran cut, whatever it is, but they just need to make sure that they have guys that can win isolated, that don't need to be covered up, don't need to be in the slot, don't need to be uh, you know, working inside with help and can't generate you know, wins quickly. Uh, they need smart receivers. They are going to, again, if they're going to continue with Lamar Jackson and the mobile quarterback and all of those things, they're going to get zoned mostly as well. So you need guys that you can stick on one side and force a defense to play man, someone other than Rashad Bateman to take the pressure off of him as he recovers. And then you need smart receivers that understand how to find the soft spot. Uh, that's why I think Jackson Smith and Jigba is the ideal fit. Um, of really any skill set of anyone that I'm, I'm looking at really free agent or whatever that's realistic because he's someone that makes himself available very quickly and can manipulate soft spots, manipulate leverage and things like that to help Lamar Jackson quickly. The Ravens have not had any viable quick game over the tenure of Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman. I think getting the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands quickly can present a defense with a nearly impossible task. If he can get the ball out quickly and paper cut you, then there's nothing you can do. It makes you start playing a little bit slower, more conservatively. And then when they want to be the aggressor, use the quarterback bashes, the QB power run game, use those kinds of elements and push the ball downfield. Then it's a, a really a no, no win situation for a defense. So uh, I think the goal is to find people that find really two receivers, one that will torch the middle of the field and zone coverage and be able to work and generate yards after the catch. To me, that's Jackson Smith and Jigba. And then someone that can win on the line of scrimmage, whether uh, you know, most likely you're going to look for maybe, maybe a Devonte Parker or someone of that nature at the cheapest, at the, the least kind of flashy through a Deandre Hopkins. So I think they need a couple more skill sets added uh, the number one receiver stuff. I think that kind of always is, not really con contextually filling in the blanks of what does the receiver do? What do you have on your team? What positions are there? What kind of routes do they run? And then in part, it's going to come with whoever the offensive coordinator is. So uh, what is their preference? What, is, what are they designing? Who do they like? And how do you fit that accordingly to your plan? Yeah, well, Devontae Parker cooked – the Ravens in week three over 30 yards per catch. I think it was, it was, it was what I was not expecting the Devonte Parker coming out party to be week three against the Ravens, but it happened, but I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, I know John Harbaugh and Eric DeCosta talked about it at their end of season press conference. Now the next question there is, do we believe them in terms of, cause we've heard 
I know a lot of people want the wide receiver position for a long time. Be addressed there. John Harbaugh and Aaron DaCosta said they're going to look at it, so we'll see what ends up happening. But coming up in our final segment, we'll talk a bit about Calais Campbell's return to the NFL and if his 16th year will be in Baltimore. A bit of Baker Mayfield potential in Baltimore and more, so be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back here on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you're looking for a delicious street but don't want all the fat and calories, you have to try a Built Bar. And I know we're over a month past the new year and we're through the holidays, but I know my goal, my New Year's resolution is to eat a little healthier this year. So if you're like me or you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise the taste, then I have just a thing for you in Built. With Built Healthy is actually really tasty and they're so delicious you won't even think they're good for you because they taste that good. And what makes Built Bars so good is for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is correct. I said that right. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. They have only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And I didn't even have to wait around to get a box for years. I've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or even Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Bill Parts. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box of hit flavors such as brownie batter and churro. You should have got your hands on some Bill Parts. You can thank me later. We are back. Our final segment of Locked On Ravens, Kevin Ostriker. Still here with Spencer Schultz. And Spencer, we got some big news on Super Bowl Sunday. We got a lot of news on Super Bowl Sunday. Calais Campbell returning for a 16th season kind of out of nowhere but i will take it as it means right now at least clays campbell still a member of the ravens now there are a couple of interesting things because it's one more year for clays campbell at least for now his cap hit is right around 9.4 ish million dollars if the ravens cut him they end up saving i believe the number 7 million i think his dead cap is only around 2.4 but campbell i think is playing at such a high level still where I think it would be because every guy you cut, there's going to be another hole in your roster you have to fill. I think Campbell provides you enough. Now, a restructure could be a different conversation. Maybe if you can make that happen in terms of moving some sort of sort of money around. But if, if Campbell's able to return Spencer and, and he's a member of the Ravens in 2023, how big is that for them? And do you expect his season to be with the Ravens next year? Yeah, I think the Ravens will bring him back. He provides veteran leadership. I think he still is a really good football player. He's a dominant run defender. He has length. Uh, and then the past game is able to, to really create through stunts and twists and uh, being able to free up other rushers. So I think he still has enough juice. And if the Ravens extend him another season, they could push 4.68 of that uh, $7 million or of that $9 million to uh, next season. So I think that's the best option. And hey, maybe you can throw a void year on there for a million dollars or a million and a half dollars just to buy yourself a little breathing room. The Ravens don't really ever use void years, but uh, at some point, got to get a little creative. So I think an extension would be in line and maybe just a, a reworked contract. But it feels like Campbell really likes Baltimore. I know his wife speaks super highly of it. Uh, he talks about Lamar Jackson a ton and talks about the Ravens a ton. And I know that he, he feels like he's in a, a good spot and that, hey, if the Ravens can just get a little healthy, figure things out a little bit more so on the offensive side of the football in terms of balance, they can go make a run. Uh, you do see, you know, former Raven Brandon Williams go win a ring with the Chiefs and, and not even really playing a ton of snaps. And I think Campbell's giving you a lot more than a Brandon Williams is while they're playing a different position. But uh, Campbell, still a good player, still fought through injury. I know there were some speculation, there was some speculation that he actually played through a torn MCL this season. Uh, towards the end there when he suffered an injury, decided to go put it all on the line and still can really overwhelm guards and centers and 
as a, a force in the run game. So I think he stays in Baltimore and I think they'll be happy to have him. Yeah. And do you feel like would his role be reduced next year? Cause you have a couple of up and coming guys like a uh, Broderick Washington, Justin Matabike, Travis Jones, or would you still put him at the forefront of that defensive line and have him play a bunch of snaps? I think that it would be in their best interest to maybe keep trying to keep him a little fresher, but usually injury kind of dictates that anyway. So whatever sounds good on paper, uh, you know, he could get injured. Someone else can get injured. And, you know, a Michael Pierce is injured. Suddenly Travis Jones is playing a ton of the nose snaps and Campbell's got to, got to help out in another way. Brent Urban's playing more snaps because of that in effect. So, uh, you know, I think if he's playing, I think he'll play a lot. I think he'll continue to, he's still a very good player. He's probably still their best defensive lineman. And as those guys continue to ascend, you know, they're going to fight for more snaps. And if you need to take him off the field because other guys are playing so well, it's a good thing. But uh, Clayus Campbell is still a, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL in my eyes. Yeah. He, Campbell's still <laughs> the year 15. He's out there just absolutely dominating offensive linemen. Like it's, it's incredible what he did. And still, I, I wouldn't expect anything less in year 16 because he's just been on that career trajectory. But Spencer, I know there was a bit of a controversy about, one certain 2018 draft class quarterback, and it is not Lamar Jackson. Well, obviously, we're still waiting to know what happens with him. But Baker Mayfield, the first overall pick in that draft, Jeff Zrebeck writing an article and talking a bit about why Lamar Jackson isn't the Ravens' only question mark quarterback. And Jeff does great work, and he talked a bit about how the Baker Mayfield to the Ravens connection might not be as far-fetched as some people might think it would be. And he said that he wouldn't be too quick to dismiss a potential Ravens and Mayfield pairing. Now, I know it, it was difficult at first. I, I also looked at it and I was like, wait, is he talking about starter Baker Mayfield for the Ravens or backup Baker Mayfield for the Ravens? But obviously, you know, we're looking more at this situation likely as a backup for Baltimore. I mean, would you like that? Would you like if Baker was the backup in Baltimore? Yeah, I think Baker is a fantastic backup. I think he's a great quadruple a type quarterback that will uh, know your offense. I think he'd be incredible in scout team and be able to do some things uh, arm wise and be able to push to some certain areas of the field that uh, not a ton of guys can do. So I think it'd be a great backup, but kind of just maybe almost sounds like maybe Baker's agent is trying to stir something up and fed somebody something to get some buzz going about good old Baker Mayfield. So um, would be a nice backup. Definitely experienced, talented, uh, hasn't really been able to develop, you know, as a, uh, going through his progressions and reads and being comfortable in the pocket and keeping his feet steady and all that kind of stuff. But as a backup, can't really ask for, for too much more there. Yeah. And I think it also raises the question of Tyler Huntley and just what his future in Baltimore is. I mean, I mean, where are you with what Huntley's future could be as a member of the Ravens? Because obviously he has to step in for Lamar these past two seasons when he goes down with injury has shown some stuff. I feel like obviously now it's, it's pro bowl quarterback, Tyler Huntley, excuse me. I don't want, I don't want to take that out. He's he earned that and did a great job. He did a great job at the pro bowl, but where, where are you with Tyler Huntley right now? And maybe what his future in Baltimore could look like. Uh, Tyler Huntley at this point, um, you know, I could see someone maybe tendering him and wanting to bring him into a room and, and throw him in addition to a rookie or something of the sort. I do think that, uh, for the Ravens to retain, if the Ravens were to move on from Lamar Jackson for some reason, I think that Huntley would be a great way of having a quarterback retain some of what Roman did and understanding the run game and some of the action in the run game and some of those things. So I think that would be a nice element. But Huntley, to me as well, is just kind of a, you know, I think he he played so well in the wild card game, save for, you know, a quarterback sneak, but that didn't really have a ton to do with him kind of playing quarterback, just what happened in that moment, a yard from the end zone. 
So I think Huntley is someone that'll stick around for a while, especially because of a game like that. I think he's someone that'll have a future in the league as a backup and floating around and getting some spot starts and flashing here and there, but um, still hasn't really had that, that breakout kind of moment or performance where it feels like he can be someone that you want to roll with as a starter. So I think he's a talented athletic and uh, scrappy dude who a lot of people would be happy to have on your team. Seems like he has a really great positive attitude and loves to work and is super jovial and uh, very uh, modest as well. So I think Huntley is a nice guy, a nice backup, and I'm not sure where he ends up, but uh, he probably will get a shot somewhere if the Ravens do decide to move on. Yeah, I think he will. I think he will get a shot somewhere. But all right, Spencer, prediction time. We know one week from now, February 21st, Will the Ravens have a new offensive coordinator? And if they do, who do you think it is? I think that by this time next week, the Ravens have a new offensive coordinator. I'm going to put my bet in dollars. If I was setting lines, I would probably make Todd Munkin the odds on favorite uh, shortly with the enemy after. And then uh, maybe uh, a Justin Outen and Dave Canales not too far behind. Yeah, my choice is Munkin too. Well, I, I'd say I'd probably, I don't know. I'd probably prefer the enemy. But I feel like the like my prediction, if I had to predict something, would be Munkin at this point. If Johnson, as we talked about, the Steichen higher there in Indianapolis, which is all but likely now, probably not realistic. So I will also I will echo you, Spencer. I will say Todd Munkin is my prediction, and I think we will too. I think the search they've interviewed a lot of guys, they've gotten a feel for what they might want, what they might not want. So I think by this time we will have one, but that is the beauty of everything. We will wait and see and just see what happens, but I appreciate you for hopping on Spencer. Thank you for coming on and please tell everybody what you're working on as we continue to dive into us officially full off season mode here. Definitely. I, you can find me at Ravens for dummies on Twitter. You can find me churning out content at baltimorebeatdown.com. We'll be shifting our podcast, which usually posts twice a week. And then if there's any breaking news, as well uh, we will be shifting our format very soon box media has cut all of the podcasts for sb nation so we'll be shifting to a new independent format in all likelihood in february so i'll have more information on that when things are finalized but we'll be churning out nfl draft content uh doing some mock draft write-ups and then uh, i'm keeping a tracker of all mock drafts that i find that are from what i consider to be some reputable or uh, in the know pundits of the NFL draft and keeping a tracker how many times someone like Quentin Johnson gets mocked to the Ravens in those kind of more formal mock drafts. And right now he is getting mocked there left and right. So I uh, should have a piece on him and Jackson Smith and Jigba coming out as well this week. So you can keep an eye out for that on BaltimoreBeatdown.com. A big shout out as always to Spencer for hopping on talking Ravens football with me. I always love getting his insight and appreciate everything you bring to the table here. He does great work. So again, be sure to support him. All the links to his work will be in the description below but that's all i have for you here today on locked on ravens thank you so much for tuning in today be sure to like this video subscribe to the channel on youtube and also follow along anywhere you get your podcast and audio form it's the same show both audio and video we are five days per week here on locked on ravens even in the off season so monday through friday we had the covered ravens news analysis updates and more but we'll make it back here tomorrow on locked on ravens it is more ravens content from us so be sure to stay tuned for that and i'll see you right back here tomorrow